All right, if you would take your Bibles and turn with me once again to the epistle of 1 John, but this time chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John and chapter 4. We are continuing our exposition in this wonderfully powerful little book. And now we come to the fourth chapter. You know, we live in a time that is full of information. Or should I say, you know, a time where information is very accessible. For all of the evils that technology has brought to us and the sin that one can plunge into with it, it can also be used for good. Because of the advances in technology, we can find answers within moments. What's the weather going to be like next week? We can get an estimate, you know, just by the click of a button. What was the score of the ball game? What, who was the 35th president? What are the ingredients to a pineapple upside down cake? Who sang a particular song? You can find just about any answer to any question just by typing it into a search engine. And this is also a tremendous time to be a Christian and to be a student of the Bible. If a person wants to study the Bible, there are vast amounts of resources available to us that other Christians have not had access to at any time in church history. There are books, there are commentaries, and online stuff like blueletterbible.org. It is an entire website, and I use it every week. I use it every week to prepare for Wednesday night, to prepare for Sunday morning. I, it is a vast amount of stuff in there, and it's free. You can't beat the price. It is free. That's blueletterbible.org. I mean, I haven't even begun to exhaust all of it with all of its commentaries, text uh, 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 criticisms, I mean, and, and text comparisons. Uh, there's Logos uh, software. A lot of pastors love that. Uh, it pretty much, you know, you know, puts the sermon together for you just about. And, you know, you can listen to a sermon anytime you want to now. Television, radio, YouTube, there's an app called Sermon Audio where, where uh, a lot of churches upload their sermons to a lot of traveling evangelists, a lot of pastors upload uh, their sermons weekly to Sermon Audio. And now uh, with smartphones, churches, even churches now have developed their own app. You can download the app and listen and, 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 and uh, listen to the message that the pastor preaches. But however... Just like the old saying, everything that glitters is not gold. Not everything and not everyone that professes to be Christian is truly of Christ. And you and I need to be able to tell the difference between the true and the untrue, the real and the fake, what is of God and what is of the devil. We need to be able to discern between what is of God and what is something that is of the devil. And that is what John is going to deal with us about this morning. So look with me at 1 John chapter 4, and I want to read to you the first six verses. And this morning we're going to think about the need for discernment. 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, hear now the word of the true and living God. Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 
Hereby know ye that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us, He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we pray that you would open our eyes today through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that regenerated us when we came to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, to open our eyes and to help us understand what it is that you're saying to us, Lord. God, we'll be very, very careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. Please give us eyes to see. Please give us ears to hear. Please give us wills to obey. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. As we come to the fourth chapter, the opening of the fourth chapter of John's John's epistle here, the subject in these six verses is to test The spirits. You see that there in verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, test the spirits to see whether they are of God. John understands how important it is to realize that you can't believe everything you hear. Dave said something Wednesday night that was pretty profound. It's an old saying, believe, don't believe anything you hear and half of what you see. There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. Because a lot of people just like to talk. They just like to talk and there's nothing to back up that talk. There's no action. There's no truth. There's no validity to the profession that they make. And that's what John, that's what the Holy Spirit through the pen of John is getting us to see. You can't believe everything that is put out there to come from God. You can't believe everything is supposedly biblical. You cannot believe all teachers of religion. You cannot believe all Christian preachers. You cannot trust all Christian music. You cannot trust all Christian books to truly be from God. There is set loose in the world. You'll notice what it says at the end of verse 6. There is the spirit of truth and there is the spirit of error. When it comes to spiritual information, It is not benign. It is not neutral. There is the spirit of truth. That is the Holy Spirit. And there is the spirit of error who would be Satan and his demons. Nothing is neutral. All spiritual truth either comes from a divine source or a demonic source. And we that... And we know that God speaks truth and reveals truth and Satan speaks lies and is a deceiver. He is the father of lies... And so it is very critical that you and I who were born, have been birthed into the family of God are able to discern the difference because God's truth must be guarded. I've said this before and I will say it again. You and I are called 
to do so much more and be so much more for the kingdom of God than to just do this every week. You are to take what you hear, you are to ingest it, digest it, compare it with Scripture, make it your own, and convey it to somebody else. We are to guard truth. We are to guard and protect the truth. That is one of the responsibilities of a born-again Christian is to guard and protect truth. And you've heard me say many times that we live in a, in a, in a time now where people want to try to tell you that truth is relative. That what's true to me does not necessarily have to be true to you. There's my truth and that there's your truth. That is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Fashioned and forged straight in hell. You try to listen to somebody without a biblical worldview give an explanation for good or evil. They cannot do it. They cannot verbalize it. They sound like a fool. I watched a video just last night of this street evangelist having a conversation with a man and he just asked him point blank, could rape be a beautiful thing? And the man stumbled over his words. He tripped, he backpedaled, he would not say no. That is the society in which we live in now. You do not accept and embrace the truths of Scripture you are lost. You are gone. Your mind will be gone. And everything will be acceptable. Remember what it says in Judges? Remember what it says in Judges? That at the time when Israel did not have a leader, when Israel did not have a king, when they did not follow God, what does it say every man did? Did which was right in his own eyes. That's where we're at now. So it's... Whatever makes you happy, just go do it. And that mindset has crept into the church. It has crept into the church. And you and I, who have truly been born and birthed into the family of God, it is our responsibility to guard the truth and to pass that down to our children and our grandchildren so that they in turn, if the Lord tarries, do the same thing. How do we guard the truth? First thing we got to do, know the truth. You can't guard something that you don't know. You have to know that you know that you know. And all through this, we've seen John talk about knowing, knowing, you know, these things that I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Over 43 times, he writes that to know that, so that we must know that we have eternal life. We need to know the truth. Second, we need to know the truth and we need to be able to recognize error. We need to be able to know what the lies are. We need to be able to know what the deception is. And the best way to do that, you know all you can about the truth. The more truth you know, the, the, the uh, more the, the, the untruth, the lies will stand out. I want to give you three things this morning from this text. <clears throat> I've broken this down into three points. <sighs> Point number one in verse one, we're going to see the warning. Then in verses uh, 2 and 3, we'll see the witness. And then verses 4, 5, and 6, we're going to see the whereabouts. So for verse 1, let's think about the warning. Look again what, it, what John says. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, 
But try the spirits, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let's think about that first word, beloved. Once again, John's talking to believers. He's trying to comfort them, to console them, to assure them, because they're with, with tender pastoral care, because they're living in an area and a time where that is just being attacked with lies, with deception, with false teaching. And he is addressing them as, as, as beloved with the tenderest of, of pastoral care to let them know that they do belong to Christ. But listen, look, I want to take, I want to, I want to, uh, take out the part that says, but try the spirits. And I want to put the first part and the last part of the verse together. So listen to this. It says, do not believe every spirit because false prophets have gone out into the world. We're not to believe every spirit because there is false prophets out in the world. Not every preacher, not every singer, not every musical group, not every church, not every college, not every seminary, not every Christian publishing company or book that truly makes the claim that, that, that makes the claim that they're a Christian truly is Christian. They may in fact be an agent of the devil. And all through the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are constantly, constantly warned about false teachers. I want to give you a few to kind of lay the foundation for how urgent this is. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1, it says, If there is among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Are there, are there agents, are there people that running around here with the capabilities to do uh, 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 supernatural type things and not be of God? Yes, absolutely. Because Satan can transform into an, into an angel of light. He can masquerade, he can, he can pretend, right? And so people can, his, his agents, his demons can do things that appear to be of God. But verse 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 13 says, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So we're to walk after the commandments of, the God, of God, we're to know the truth, we're to cleave to Him, and we're to not obey the false. We're to not obey the lie. And for people that, these pseudo super spiritual people, that like to talk about how they have a word of prophecy and they like to uh, uh, try to speak for God. Um, God deals with that person very, very uh, strictly in the Old Testament. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. How do you know whether someone uh, was of God if, if, uh, or not? If it came about, if it came about or not. And it says, if which I have not commanded him to speak or that shall speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Then that prophet shall die. So we see a warning of false prophets in the Old Testament. And then you hear, hear the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are Ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. 
You know, we, we, we also are told in this day and time, hey, don't judge. Don't judge. We're here, we're told by our Lord that you shall know them by their fruit. You're going to know who they are by the life that they live, by the things that they profess. Does the perfect, well, the profession, it sounds pretty good, but does the lifestyle back it up? The Lord Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from, of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. You shall know who they are by the fruit that they bear. And I've got to read 21, verses 21 through 23. For not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The teaching is always going to be Godward, the real God, and not manward. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never, 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 never knew you. Depart from me, you worker. Of iniquity. That's not the only place that the Lord Jesus talks about false prophets. He talks about it in Matthew chapter 24 when they ask him, well, What would be the signs of the end? The Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 11 says, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. In verse 24 of Matthew 24 says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, when you think about that text and you think about someone who was a, a, a false prophet, someone who was a false teacher, they don't have to perform miracles in order to be a false teacher. They can also be a suave, smooth-talking, ear-tickling uh, rascal. Ear-tickling mixes truth with lies. That's how Satan works. It may be out, and it may be just outright lies that uh, that's what's needed to tickle the ears that God condones some particular sin, or. The ear tickling might be in the form of a MAGA hat wearing dude that preys on the anger that people have against the establishment and just sprinkles a few Bible verses in there, but the root of their teaching is not the gospel. You see both in our time. You see both. And then there's the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, he's coming to the end of that letter to the Romans and he tells him, he says in verse 16, chapter 16, verse 17, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Mark and avoid them. For they are such, for they are, they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly 
and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They deceive the hearts of the people that don't know the Bible. People that just that, that just have a very vague understanding of Scripture, and then you hear somebody who tries to talk with some with some authority. Yeah, that sounds real good, and they're sucked in and led astray by it. And the but the, but but God tells us to mark them that cause divisions. That is one of the things that Satan wants to do. He wants to infiltrate and divide, infiltrate and tear apart, infiltrate and destroy. Some of you, I'm pretty sure, could probably, when I said that about uh, mark them which cause divisions, there's a local fellow that used to like to do that. Um, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So, folks, the devil is alive and well and working hard, and one of the hardest places he's working is in the church. Satan is alive and well, not just on planet Earth, but he is alive and well, and he's working hard in the church. Satan has attacked truth ever since he rebelled from heaven and he mounted a, a threefold attack in the garden. We're all familiar with the story of Adam and Eve with, with, and, and their fall. And we're familiar with the story of Satan and his uh, tempting of Eve in the garden. When Satan mounted, mounted that threefold attack, first he cast doubt on what God had said about eating the fruit. Listen to what he says in Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1, says, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yet hath God said that ye shall not eat of the every tree of the garden? Places that doubt. Places that doubt. Because Eve got uh, the command from Adam. Adam got it directly from God. So because she didn't hear it firsthand, she's like, well, I don't know, maybe Adam got it wrong. It creates a little doubt. Second, he, Satan denies outright what God had said to Adam. Verse 4, and, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. No, you're not going to die if you eat of that fruit. And then finally, he, he, he inserts doubt, he denies and he distorts. Listen to what he says in verse 5. For God know that in the day that uh, ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. Ever since that time, Satan and his demons have waged war on the church, nonstop campaign on the truth, using those same tactics, doubt, denial, and distortion. And as in the Garden of Eden, Satan, the source of, it can be traced back to Satan as the source of all error. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 40, 44, he says, you are of your father the devil. You are of your father the devil. He was the murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Wherever he, whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of it. There's no neutral ground. 
There's no middle ground. And I want you to see that and understand that if someone is either going to be of God, for God, serving God, trying to promote God, promote the gospel, promote the truth, or either they're of the devil. No fence riding. As Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by the hypocrisy of liars who have been seared in their own conscience. Any ideology, any philosophy, any opinion or religion other than God's truth fits Satan's agenda. That's why it's so crucial for you and I to be able to recognize the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, I want to give you a list of popular false teachings and popular false teachers. I want to say this before I give them. I am praying for these folks. I am praying that God would deliver these folks, that God would open their eyes to the truth, that he would stop their mouth, that he would take away their platform, but he would open their eyes to the truth. Popular false teachings. Anything works-based. Anything's works-based. Mormons. Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormons think that, that, you know, that uh, Satan and Jesus are spirit brothers. That the God of this world is just one of many gods. And that if men live according uh, to, to holiness and according to the principle, that if they live such a holy life that one day they can, when they die, they can be a God of their own planet and have spirit babies with their wives, with their spirit wives. The Jehovah's Witnesses. Um believe that um, Jesus is Michael the archangel. The salvation their way is also works-based. Nobody can really know whether they're going to go to heaven. Nobody in the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, takes the Lord's Supper except the very elect, and the only elect there's going to be is 144,000, um, and it's all very, very, very works-based. And then there, this one came to mind, too, that's also works-based, and that's the denomination known as the Church of Christ. That man that is, lives in Cascade and passes that church on Starlin Avenue has caused a bunch of confusion down through the years. And I know he's, and, and, and it was because of him that it, it was, you go just in just about any church in this area, you would see in a frame a uh, 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 note that said, You're not permitted to record these services because <laughs> he'd, record, he'd record them secretly and then take them back to his local access broadcast. and criticize and critique and stuff but he spent a lifetime confusing people and i can tell you I, I, when i was still working at fedex and i was i del was had to deliver to the or pick up from the martinsville hospital there's a man who worked in the ship and receiving there and he's in that cult and that's what i'll call it I'll, i will call it a cult because those people think that just because you and i are inside of a baptist church right now that we're going to go to hell and the guy there at the hospital thought that he thought that his father was in who had just recently passed. He thought that his father was in hell, burning hotter every day. And what was his what was his sin? Because he was a member of a Baptist church. Folks, that's not of God. That's not of God. And you listen and you study what they teach. I don't see how any of them's ever going to make it to heaven. It's all works based. And that salvation can uh, be lost. And then there's universalism. 
So there's works-based salvation. That's a popular false teaching. Universalism says that uh, everybody's going to go to heaven, even Satan, even, even the devil, he's going to get there. Uh, that's a popular one. Unitarianism, that's another popular one. They deny the Trinity. God is one. When Jesus was in the garden praying, he was talking to himself. Um, you don't see the word Trinity in the Bible, but you see clearly throughout it, you see the doctrine there that there is one eternal God revealed in three divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Another false one is the prosperity gospel. That's that name it, claim it, healthy, wealthy, and wise that you see on TBN. They still believe that the sign gifts are active, and if you don't get your miracle, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And so many people have been financially ruined down through the years because they trusted a TV evangelist and sent them everything they have, trusting that that man was going to give them a miracle. And then it didn't happen. And because it didn't happen was because they didn't have enough faith is what they're told. They also believe the prosperity gospel. People like Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Joyce Meyer, they like to promote something called the little God's doctrine. That because you and I are created in the image of God, that we are little gods and we have the capability to do the same very things that God does. No, sir. That is not scriptural. There's another popular one today, and it's called the New Apostolic Reformation. It's very similar to the prosperity gospel. Much, much to do on uh, much emphasis on experience over scripture, mysticism over doctrine. They have modern day apostles over the plain text of the Bible. People involved in the NAR promote apostolic gifts and the very office of apostle. Uh, they, if you watch and, and, and here's uh, uh, two of the very prominent churches in that movement are Hillsong and Bethel Church. And if you watch their worship services online, they do that holy laughter, convulsing and falling out into the spirit, Holy Spirit laughter, all, all, all of that stuff. Even when, I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Bethel or whether it was a Hillsong, but they released glitter, golden glitter from the ceiling and said that that was the glory of God. Folks, that's not of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So why should someone not listen to Hillsong, Bethel, or Elevation Worship? Because of what they teach and what they preach. You study, you look up what it is they believe, what it is they preach and teach, and you line it up with Scripture, and it does not plumb. They do not plumb together. Popular false teachers, just about anybody that you see on TBN. I pray often that God would shut that television station down. That one, Daystar, there's not very many. I, I can't really think of any that are on those television stations that are worth giving your time and attention to. There was one program that used to come on there called The Way of the Master by an evangelist named Ray Comfort. And I don't even know if that program still comes on there anymore. That was about the only one. Um, Stephen Furtick, pastor of Elevation Church, pastor of Elevation Church. Uh, he said during a, a sermon that he got all worked up and said that he was God Almighty. You can look it up and find it. Um, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, former pastor of Saddleback Church in Orange County, California, promotes unity among all religions. Christians and Muslims are brothers, he says. He spoke at a function 
where, where, where Muslims were there. And he had the opportunity, because I don't fault somebody for speaking in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a setting where there might be somebody from other religion. Oh, no. If they were to call me on a Saturday night at uh, Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Danville and said, you know, we want you to come preach Mass uh, the next morning, I'd be there in a heartbeat. I wouldn't get asked back. They wouldn't invite me back. But I sure would go. So I don't fault him from going there to speak, but he had the opportunity to give the gospel and he only talked about how Christians and Muslims need to have common ground. No, Muslims need to repent and believe the gospel, just like every other person that's lost. There's one who... Some of you all may recognize this name. He's very outspoken. He came to be very uh, famous in the nation when he would make his rants on uh, social media. He, he got real popular when he was talking about the bathroom situation uh, at Target. And I'm talking about Greg Locke. Um, outspoken, popular pastor. He disqualified himself from the ministry several years ago because he put away his wife. He left his wife for another lady in the church. Uh, and, the t and, and, and that whole mess was terrible. And it leaked out into social media about how he talked to her. And, and that was just because um, the scripture is very clear on that. How can someone pastor, how can someone be over the household of faith if they can't pastor and be over their own house? But regardless, he stayed in. The church didn't ask him to leave. And as I've said before, if someone is in error in one place, if someone disregards Scripture in one place, they're going to do it somewhere else as well. They're going to disregard the Lord in other areas as well. So now what he should have done is just step out of the pastor. Can God, still, can God forgive him? Absolutely. Can God still use him? Yes, but not in the role of a pastor. But instead of he disregards that, and now he has bought in and promotes all this new apostolic reformation stuff. This that the that the apostolic gifts are still active today. He made a video. They posted a clip online of uh, one of his messages recently. I'm guessing from this past Wednesday night. And that rascal is a arrogant, very arrogant man. And pride will be his downfall. And I pray that God would get his attention because when it happens, it's going to be very public. He's had, he has a very big platform. So when he finally does fall, if the Lord doesn't get a hold of him first, it's going to be very, very loud. But he boasts and he said that he would write a check to somebody for $20,000 if they could show him in the Bible where God says that the apostolic gifts have ceased. Now, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. We aren't told anywhere in the Bible specifically that says that the gifts have ceased. But we aren't told anywhere in the Bible that God is the Trinity. There is not specifically where it says that God is the triune nature. We see that from, very, from vast amounts of passages that make up the doctrine of the Trinity. The word rapture is not in the Bible either. But we see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We see that in Revelation chapter 4. We see it. 
And the Apostle Paul alludes to this in 1 Corinthians 13 that those gifts will cease. It's like tongues will cease. So when someone has to ask themselves the question, tongues have either already stopped or they're going to stop. What was the purpose of those gifts? To found and build the church for the establishment of the church. To build the church on the teachings of the apostle with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Jesus told a doubting Thomas who would not believe unless he saw Jesus, just put his finger through the print of the nail in his hands, put it where the spear went into his side. Jesus said, here you go. Blessed are you that have seen and believed. But more blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. We don't need the sign gifts now. Does God still do miracles? Absolutely. Does He still heal people? Yes, He does. What does James tell us to do? You got any sick among you? Bring them before the elders of the church, anoint their head with oil, and do what? Pray. Pray for God's will to be done because what does it say? Just a page over. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him if we ask anything. How? In accordance with His will. Sometimes it is just not God's will for people to be healed on this side of eternity. Sometimes it is just a part of God's eternal plan for them to be healed and come on home. Or be healed by coming on home, should I say. So I sent him a message. I didn't know if it would be him that would respond or some of the people that work for him. And do you know what they told me? Because I said, if, if the gifts are still active today, why, are there, why is there anybody in a hospital why is there not somebody in going through St. Jude's Children's Hospital right now and cleaning that thing out? You know what he told me? Because hospitals won't let him in. Because <laughs> hospitals won't let him in. I would stand out on the sidewalk with a huge sign that says, don't fool with them in there, come see me. I'll solve all your hospital bill problems, all your insurance problems. You want to fool with all of that? Just come see me. Charlatan says all of that stuff just for clicks, just for likes. Then there's another one. This is the last one that, I, that, that I'll deal with as far as false teachers, and that's a lady by the name of Sarah Young. You might not be familiar with that name, but you'll be familiar with the, the name of this devotional, Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling, released in 2004, sold over 15 million copies. If you have a copy of that book, let me encourage you with a pastoral warning, throw it in the trash. What she does, how she wrote that book is she utilizes something called automatic writing, where she sits down, makes everything quiet, has a blank piece of paper and a pen in her hand, and she sits very quietly and writes what she hears, and what she thinks the Lord is telling her. And if you read that book, she is claiming to speak directly for God. Folks, we don't do that. 
That is wrong. That, that, that wasn't even the, that was not the practice of the of the of, of the of, of the people that wrote the Bible. That practice is very different from God giving biblical revelation where God worked through the thoughts and the personalities and even the research of authors. God worked upon people's uh, 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 their own research, their, their own personalities, and brought all of that together to be his word. And you study what that book says, and it doesn't plumb with scripture as well. And no one, none of us have the capability to speak directly for God. We can say what he has said in his word, but none of us have the capability to talk as if we are God. What's the danger of listening to a false teacher or listening to uh, music with bad theology or reading a book that's full of false teaching? For somebody that's a true Christian, it's going to confuse the fire out of you. It's going to confuse you to death. You're not going to know what you believe. You're not going to know what to believe. You're, not, you're certainly not going to be able to convey it to anybody else. But what does it do for the lost? It creates false converts. It gives people a false sense of assurity. And let me read you again. Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied? Man, I went to conferences. I bought book after book after book. I listened to teaching after teaching after teaching. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. I've told you all before, even about me. Don't trust everything I say. Look it up for yourselves in the Bible. Which is why John says, test the spirits. Try the spirits. Don't just take everything by blind faith. Because Satan can be transformed into an angel of light and mingle truth with lies. Trying to deceive, trying to turn away, trying to confuse. So that's why we must test, why we must evaluate the purity of what we hear and read and see to determine whether it's of God or not. And how do we do that? I've just told you. You line it up with Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The best way to know, to, 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 the best way to de- detect error To detect error is to know truth. That's why we got to constantly be in that word. Point number two, the witness. We've seen the warning, now the witness. Look what it says, verse two and three. Hereby you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come into the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already in the world. The proof is in the testimony as to whether or not something is of God or, uh, or, or is not God. Is it a biblical profession? Is it an unbiblical or an antichrist profession? Does it plumb with Scripture? John was dealing with, John was dealing with the Gnostics in those days, people that were saying that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. He was, only came in the Spirit. But we know that's wrong. Because what is it? What are we told in John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh. 
the Logos, the eternal word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the deception still happens today. People under the influence of the devil, whether they realize it or not, that promote a false Christianity that may accept and embrace all manner of sin just to bring in the big crowds. And then some, some may get, some pastors may get behind closed doors and they may say, yeah, I, I, I believe what the Bible says, but they'll skirt around it, they'll dance around it, they'll never deal with it from the pulpit because they're more worried about pleasing man than they are pleasing God. Folks, we're dealing with eternal life. We're dealing with the souls of men and the souls of women. And I would rather for somebody to get angry at me, never won't speak to me again, and that drive them to seek out and search the truth. And then God used that to bring about the salvation of their soul than for somebody to be comfortable all the way to hell. You know, so many people talk about comfort in church. I don't want you to be comfortable in here. Do I want you to have a comfortable place to sit? Yeah. Comfortable temperature? Yep, sure do. Because some of you are so easily distracted. Do I want you to feel like that you're loved and that you're wanted here? Absolutely. But do I want you sitting there comfortable? Nope. Nope. I want you to have constantly in your mind to have, oh, there's something else that I need for the Lord to shave off. Seeing yourself on that cosmic spiritual lathe that something else needs to be shaved off in order to be better fashioned into the image of God. Because none of us have the Christian life perfected, yet we're all still in the sanctification process. We all still have work to do. Point number three, the whereabouts. The whereabouts. Look what it says. You, them, and us. You, them, and us. It says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. The world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that, not, he, he that is not of God heareth us not. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Deal with that first, that first verse, verse four. You are, you are of God. In the incarnation, when Christ came, God became the partaker of human nature. The word became flesh. Well, through the new birth, through the regeneration, through being born again, human beings become partakers of the divine nature. So look what it says. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is none other than God, the Holy Spirit, who comes to dwell, set up residence inside of each and every born again child of God. Remember I, two weeks ago. I talked about how Adam walked with God. He walked with God in the flesh, saw him face to face without sin. He was able to see God, talk to God, look upon God, actually see God's lips move when he spoke because there was no sin. But now we don't have that. But you know what? If you really think about it, I think we kind of got one up on old Adam because we don't have God to look, you know, out there, God's in here. God dwells, the Holy Spirit dwells within His church. 
He dwells within each and every born again child of God. We have been regenerated and birthed into the family of God by the, birth, by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are no longer enemies of God, but part of his family. And therefore, we have overcome the world and those that are in the world because Jesus died and rose from the grave. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. Why? Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. You and I, the born again child of God, are victorious over the world system and the lies of the devil because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And now nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And the proof of that is the Holy Spirit. I've got a t-shirt that I wear often that says, I am not the man that I should be, but thank God I'm not the man that I used to be. But he who began a good work in me will perform it. We'll perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And that same person, the same God is inside of you as well that know him as Savior and Master of Lord of Life. I asked a question this Wednesday night in the Bible study, this past Wednesday rather. Can society, because I, I, I looked back to kind of what I talked about a little bit last, last Sunday with the Black Robe Regiment and how... Uh, uh, politicians would have to sit and listen to election sermons, how pretty much God was in every facet of uh, life back then, how the church, when, when, when the institution of government got out of line, the church would call it uh, to repent and get back in line. Can society truly say that now everything is better since we've run God out of every institution? No. They may never admit to it, but it's certainly not crime the way that it is, disease running rampant, everything the way it is, and we have just run God out of everything. And we can certainly say society is not for the better. Jesse and I had a conversation yesterday, and we wondered how an old friend of hers might be doing. It's an old friend that wrote her off because of her faith. And we wondered, is she happy with her life the way it is. Does she think that her life is better without Jesus Christ? Author Lee Strobel wrote a book. He wrote many books. His most famous is The Case for, for Christ. But he also wrote one called The Case for Faith, where he dealt with um, people's uh, uh, objections to the Christian faith. And he told the story of two friends, two best friends, Billy Graham and a man by the name of Charles Templeton. Both of them were up-and-coming evangelists. And Billy Graham has said that Templeton was very gifted. He was very talented. He was very charismatic, and people were drawn to him and liked him. But Templeton went on a missions trip to Africa, and he saw a young child dead in a woman's arms because of how bad things were over there at the time and it caused him to doubt it caused him to doubt his faith and eventually caused him to walk away from the faith he didn't just quit preaching he left the christian faith altogether and lee strobel caught up with him to interview him for the book and i can't remember everything that mr templeton said but his some of the last words that he gave lee strobel have stuck with me. 
He said, talking about Jesus, I miss him. Admitting that his life was not better because he had walked away from the faith. And we know because of what we studied here in 1 John that those who walk away were never there to begin with. They were never there to begin with. But I know for certain that my life is immensely better from being saved and by following the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were not following Christ, Jesse and I would not be married. Most certainly we would be divorced. Aubrey would probably not be here. I'd be a functioning alcoholic and I'd be bouncing from one relationship to the next looking for that fulfillment that can only be found in Christ. What about you? What about you? Can you look back and say, you know what? I can honestly say things are better. I can honestly say that things are better. Then it goes to say the next phrase, uh, verse, verse five, they are of the world. On the other hand, false teachers and their followers cling to worldly ideas. Look back at what it says in chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For any man that loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But it is not of the world. The people that are of the world, they cling to worldly teachers. They cling to things that, that, that tickle their ears. When a true Christian that knows the truth hears false teaching, the Holy Spirit inside of that believer will bring to remembrance the truth from the Word of God and they will take what they've heard and know that it's wrong and they'll turn away from that which is false. Example, if I were to stand here up here and say, you got to be baptized in order to be saved. Every one of you ought to get up and leave. And you ought to go me outside and you ought to take a vote and run me out of here. Or if I were to say, you know, you have to hold on and you have to pray through in order to be saved. Or all that is required of someone to be saved is just come forward, just repeat this little prayer that I'll give to you and then you can go back to your little seat and go back out into the world and live just however you want because you Prayed that little prayer and now you're free to live however you want. No, no, no. And when a true child of God hears that, I mean, it just, you, you wince. You just wince. You're like, that ain't right. That ain't right. But then John says in uh, verse six, he says, we are of God. He says, we are of God. And the we that he's using, John is speaking about him, himself, and the other writers of Scripture. Like them, all true teachers accurately proclaim the Word of God. And look, look what it says. It says, the person who knows God listens to them. Those who are of the truth, when they hear the truth, man, I'm attracted to that. That's what I want to hear. No, turn, turn it back. Turn, turn it back to what, to, what, to what that guy was saying. We're drawn to it, and we want to hear it. Why? Spirits bear witness with one another. We hear the truth. We're drawn to the truth. We're like, hey, I, I want more of that. And we'll listen to that. We're like, you know what? Uh, never heard that before. I'm going to research it out. And if that's right, I've got to do that. I've got to get that area out. Uh, I've got to crucify that area of my life to Jesus. But the one who is not from God didn't hear John. 
It's like they don't hear people that truly preach the word today. That's the out and out lost person, the atheist that is just bold in their denial of God. They don't want to listen to the truth. And neither does the blinded false convert. They want to hear the stuff about heaven. They want to hear the stuff about love. And, but they don't want to hear repent. They don't want to hear forsake their sin. They don't want to hear God's call to holy living. This is how you know the spirit of error when it doesn't plumb with the word of God, when the teachings do not line up with scripture. Before you accept any teaching, be sure to know uh, that person's view of Christ. What's their view of salvation? What's their view of scripture? Do they acknowledge a biblical view of Jesus? That goes all the way back to the second sermon that I preached in this. Does anybody that's, for anybody that says they are a Christian, do they profess to believe what the Bible says? What the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all profess belief in a Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Not salvation. It's, it's not a belief that will get them to heaven. So do they have a biblical view of Jesus? Do they manifest a Christian life? Is their life truly, does their life truly match up their profession? None of us got it perfect. You follow me around long enough, I'm going to let you down. I promise you I will. I've seen me do it. But does the person try on a consistent basis to walk after the footsteps of Jesus? And do they submit to the word of God? Do they submit to the word of God? Some people... You know, they, they, they may think when, when, I, when I ask that question about, the, the, you know, can they actually look back at their life and see that, that their life is better for following Jesus? Some people will say, well, you know, there are times when uh, I don't know about this thing. There are times when, you know, uh, 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 being a Christian it doesn't seem like it's all what it's cracked out to be. We're not promised that it would be a bed of roses. I'm so sorry that it's not like the people on TV painted to be. I wish that it was you were healthy, wealthy, and wise. I wish that you did have that big Cadillac and lived in a big house with a great big bank account, but I'm sorry it's not. I'm sorry that for in this world we will have tribulation. And could it be that the difficulty that you have is because you have not submitted your whole entire being to Jesus? Could it be that you, you've, you've, releg you've given everything else over to Christ but this one area I'm holding on to. And it's because of that you don't have peace. It's because of that that you still have tribulation. It's because of that that you're not getting everything out of the Christian life that God wants you to have. Crucify it. Get rid of it. Clean out that spiritual closet. I'll leave you with this, with Jude. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write to you, exhorting you that you earnestly contend for the faith once delivered, handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unaware. Those were long before marked out for, for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. 
And Jude says, I'm writing because I feel a necessity to appeal to you to contend, to fight earnestly for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. It was, it's a battle, folks. It is a battle. It is a battle that has to be fought with all of our might to guard the truth so that we can pass it down from our generation to the next. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would guard and protect and keep the truth, learn the truth, know the truth, and pass it down to those that you uh, want us to deliver it to. For it's in Christ's name, amen.